Um, today we're going to do a different thing with our thin places. We're going to take a look at how thin places lessons can come from real life. I read a book years ago by Philip Keller, Lessons from a Sheepdog, and I kept going to my wife saying, we learned the same thing. We are, this is a parallel for us. We talk about thin places. It's, it's tempting just to use Bible stories because there are a lot of them. We could do that, and we're going to look at a lot of them. We could look at places in our lives as well, and I think we need to start looking for those places. If you're a visitor and you've not been here the last two weeks, welcome home. Not sure what took you so long, but we're glad you're here. You are now part of the family. You were adopted as soon as you came in, so there you are. We, uh, we're talking about where the physical and the spiritual interweave. In my opinion, that's everywhere. That's not just visiting God on a Sunday or having a moment during the week. I think we're always in his presence and that the veil between the physical and the spiritual is non-existent. If God is the artist who designed the universe, we ought to be able to recognize his hand at work. Being married to a designer has a lot of uh, benefits. One of them is I get to learn about art whether I want to or not. I have learned the difference between a Monet and a Van Gogh, for example. I can tell a Renoir from a Rembrandt because they're different. They use the color different and light different and they, they see things in a different way. Well, our God has a style to him. And the way that he makes things and puts things together, there's, there's something there. I, uh, during my day, I see a lot of things that are explained by science, and I, I'm fine with that. But I see other things as well. Jesus brought us lessons that were drawn from our own life where God is at work creating something that we can see unfolding before us if we've learned to recognize his hand. Jesus brought real-life stories into this, and we call those parables and I, in some ways, I'm kind of sad that we do, because once you call them a, a, a Christian Bible church word, we kind of isolate them. They're insulated from us and shoved off. Now we're going to bring in an object lesson, and now we're done with it, and we're going to put it right back in Matthew. I think maybe we should just call it life. What Jesus did, we can do as well. We can look for the spiritual application of the physical. Back in the day, I was a shrink. I got better, but there I was for quite a while. And one of the things, and our little kids are away, so I'm going to be as, as genteel about this as I can. The, uh, one of the things that you run across a lot in the psychological and the psychiatric w uh, wing of the world is that they try to make everything about sex. Everything. Freud was obsessed. <laughs> Freud was a freak, frankly. Freud needed a therapist, but he was not aware of this. I always came at it from the other direction. I don't think that everything we do reflects sex. I think that sex reflects what we do and who we are. And I believe that once you turn these things on their head, you start able to turn other things on their head and say, now I see God at work. Now I see through the glass, perhaps darkly, but I see. So I want to tell you a story today about lessons we learned about a dog, or rather from a dog, in Scotland. And if you don't like Scotland, if you don't like dogs, 
you're not going to like heaven either, because I really think it's, but the point is still, try to grab something from this if you can at all. I've always loved working through the tension of Scripture. Grace, faith, works, all of these things are in tension. We're called the sheep of God's pasture, but we're also called to help him keep the flock together and moving with him. So we're kind of sheep, and we're kind of sheepdogs. I think we may need to learn a lot more lessons about what it means to be a sheep, but we also need to learn some lessons about what it means to be a sheepdog. Cammy and I had moved back to Scotland. I was so happy to be in a place that I've always considered home. Here I am, a lovely, I've got a lovely wife. We've got a brand new semi-detached house in the southwest of Scotland. Things were going well, but I wanted more. Many of you have been in that position. You're married, you're very happy. You're in your first place together, thrilled. You've got jobs, yes. And you decide, our life is so perfect, let's bring a child into it. And there you went, what'd you do? And some of you slow learners bring two, three, four, five, they, they just keep coming out. I've, I did tell a friend of mine once who had quite a few children, kind of a busload. I looked at it and I said, you are aware that's a woman, not a clown cart. There's only a certain amount of people you can get out of this being. You need to, need to be careful. He did not appreciate that at all. That's all right. I'm used to that. Look, the point I'm trying to make is we were fine. We didn't need a dog, but we wanted one. We wanted a, another friend. We wanted, we wanted somebody else to share our life with. We weren't ready for children at the time. We lived fairly close to a farming community called Eaglesham, outside of Straven, there in the Ayrshire, North Ayrshire uh, coast of Scotland. We saw a, a card tacked to a community board offering border collies uh, for sale. They, they're just known as shepherds or sheepdogs there. Uh, in fact, until the 80s, the AKC did not even recognize them as their own breed. And so they're just these black and white collies. They were for sale, and the price was very, very low. That excited me. So we hopped in our two-cylinder car. Hey, don't laugh. It had 27 horsepower. <laughs> Zero to 60 by Thursday. <laughs> and we putt-putted our way out to the farm. We found the dogs in a cold barn on a drich day like today, where it's cold and wet and kind of slimy mud. In the barn, she was off to the side. The puppies were better cared for. She'd been there for a couple litters. She was now several months old and had never been taken. She kind of shook nervously watching all of the excited puppies and the excited families around the puppies, but from a distance. She was covered with muck, with waste and the like. She was, had been marked. In fact, we asked the owner, what's, that, what's with that dog? And they said, oh, you, you don't want her. We said, why? Well, she's no good. In what sense? She's too nervous for the sheep. You can't, she's not usable. She makes the sheep nervous. That's okay. I'm assuming nervous sheep is a problem. I, I, um, I've not actually investigated that now that I think of it. But she was useless to them. She was in her early dog adolescence, all legs and awkward and didn't know her place in life. If I remember correctly, they told me, don't, don't take her. 
don't take her. They had plans to put her down. They didn't even put a price on her. I said, I'll take her. And they, we argued for quite a bit. It's hard, it's a weird, surreal moment to argue with a Scotsman trying to give them money. Uh, it really is. I'm pretty sure this might be the first and only time this ever happened. But we got her. Why? Well, I want you to look at a couple passages. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. In other words, it's easy to be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And look at this line. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Look at this out of John 8. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There is no reason to pick this dog. None. We looked at all the other puppies. They were excited to see us. They come running right up to you. This one it took forever to try to coax her to me. And when she did, she came slinking, trying to roll over in submission the whole way. She had zero self-esteem. This dog had not reached her psychological potential. But you know something? There's something in common here. When you look in a mirror, most of us see the flaws. We don't see what the others see. I carry a picture in my wallet. It's a picture of my wife. Now, hang on, I've got to go over here. Teens, we used to actually print these out. Uh, it's, um, it, was a, it was a long, laborious process. We had to go to a little hut where a person lived alone in the middle of a parking lot. I'm serious about this. And they, they were so excited to see us because that was their day, 18 square feet max. That was it. And they would hand us our photographs or sometimes those of other people, and we'd have to swing back around. And, and it was very exciting. So that's it. Picture of my wife. It's a picture, it's, well, it's her high school senior picture. Now, we've been married for 38 years, going on 39, but that's still how I see her. She tells me that's not what she looks like anymore. I haven't noticed. A couple reasons. One, I love her. Two, it's not safe to notice some things. <laughs> it just, just isn't. Uh, she's, she's American. She owns a, a gun. Um, a, this is how I see her. I, I have never met a supermodel, uh, but I have read some of articles of they've written and also interviews where all they see when they look in a mirror are their flaws. Isn't that interesting? This dog knew its flaws, and that's all it knew. Jesus, when he came to us, didn't have to come to us. He didn't need us. There was nothing missing in Jesus' life where he said, you know what would fill that? People. No. He chose us because he had enough love to cover us. He chose us because we had enough love to rescue us. He did not love us because we were cute and cuddly. Jesus isn't stupid. He knows who we are and what we are going to be, and he knows that. And yet he loves us anyway. 
Just like we'll have one child and then have another and love them and love them and want more. Why? Well, we know that for the first several years, they're pretty much a drain on the economy of the family. But we have enough love for that. We have enough love to cover that. It's exciting to us. We, we want that. Jesus chose us. We knew that only one dog in that barn needed us. God knew we need him. He picked us from the world didn't. And don't be fooled. If the world does pick you, it's only because it wants to use you and use you up and toss you aside. If you don't believe that, look at history. Look at all the where are they now type um, programs and blogs and like where that person was very famous and well-loved. They just disappeared. Why? Because we got done loving them and threw them to the side. If the world picks you, it's not necessarily good news. But God picked you. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, he didn't pick me. You're sitting here. Yes, he did. Or you wouldn't be here. It took some time to convince the dog that this is going to be okay. Finally, we corralled her. I was holding her. And again, she wasn't a little puppy at that stage. She's wiggling, trying to get away. Certain she's going to be harmed. And maybe she saw the car we had and thought, oh, need to hold out for better. But we put her in. We had a quilt in the back seat for her, but she didn't stay there. She immediately worked her way up front and shoved herself into my lap and shoved her head under my chin and shook. That made it interesting for the drive home. We had a, a French car in Scotland on the right-hand side of the road with the dog on my lap. I don't see how this could possibly go wrong. We finally worked our way home. I had to keep talking to her the whole way. She shook violently. But you know something? So do I sometimes, inside. Some people talked to me recently about, Patrick, how are you always so calm? And I said, because I am a duck. And he just looked at me, and I said, up where you can see me, everything is peaceful. Inside, wild abandon. God sees the inside. He knows I shake. He knows I have a hard time trusting him. Sometimes I have to learn the lesson again after all these years to trust him. How many times do we have to learn that lesson? Well, once in a car, she sensed something had changed. She'd not met us before, but something was different here. She was in, in the words of our young men, a new relationship. She, there, she was in a different place. She'd never been out of the barn. Now she was. We talked to her. We drove. We got home. We got home. She didn't know what to do. In fact, when we tried to walk with her, she would nip. We'd put a leash on her. She would nip at our heels because she was terrified of walking, going places. We had to introduce her to the world one block at a time, one field at a time. And her fear of us, listen carefully, her fear of us and the world made her life far more difficult than it needed to be. Let me ask you something. What's fear ever done for you? Doesn't it just make your life far more complicated than it needs to be? We had some kids over to our house when my children were uh, small, especially Duncan. He's about 10 or so. And it was Duncan's birthday, and he was going to go down into the, the basement to play. And he invited all of his friends. His friends started to go until one boy stopped. He goes, are there dogs down there? I said, yes. He goes, I'm afraid of dogs. I said, so what are you going to do about that? He says, I can't go downstairs. I said, don't you want to play? 
He said, yes. I said, you got a problem. He's looking at me. I said, you know something, son? If you're afraid of something, you need to tackle it head on. Are you afraid of snakes? And he said, yes. I said, let's go get one. So let's go outside. Let's find one. We're going to bite the head off of it. And you won't be afraid of it anymore. He said, I think I'll go downstairs. <laughs> there you go. You need to not let fear complicate your life. Don't be afraid. I can tell you this, on your deathbed, you will not be so much sorry for the things you did. You will be sorry for the things you were not brave enough to try. So do it. Well, for one reason or another, we never knew why. One day she decided to run, and she ran. I've run from God, too. I've talked to you about those stories. I've tried to escape them. I have hopped on a ship to Nineveh more often than I can tell you. Somebody asked me once if I'd ever resigned the ministry, and I said, yes. They said, when? And I said, no, it's still ongoing. Four or five times a week. I just don't turn in the letter, but it's being written in my head. I know what it's like to want to run from God, and so when she ran, I understood. This is new. So we sought her. We looked for her. Why? Our life was simpler without this. But bringing her into our life meant at some level more difficulty, but we also saw something needed to be loved. God sees us and knows we need him. We're dirty. We're the last one in the litter. We haven't been picked that much, but God knows we need him. So we looked for her. We set out food. And imagine what happens in the mind of God when one of us runs away. Imagine. And he has to see that every day. I wouldn't want to be God. I know it's a strange thing to say, but have you ever thought about how hard it is to be God? How heartbreaking it is to be God? Philip Yancey calls him the broken-hearted lover. And I get that. God never forces us, and we didn't go force the dog. We slowly convinced her, like God calls us softly, using love and grace. Do you remember when the preachers tried to scare us into heaven? Oh, you... Yeah, you best do it this way or you'll go to hell. And that worked for a while. doesn't work forever, does it? We need love. We need grace. When she returned, I felt a little bit about what God must feel when I finally get my head on straight and come back to him. All she had to do, we tried to explain it to her, but she's a dog and she didn't quite get it. I know you think your dog understands everything you say. And I'm sure they do. They're the exception. They are brilliant. But other dogs just read tone and posture. So I tried to convince. All you have to do is just be a part of the family. Just be with us. Participate in the life of the family. And after a while, she did. All God's asking for you to do is be in the family. Participate in the life of the family. Be like us. This is what we do. And after a while, she learned to trust us like dogs trusted us is when we were growing up. I remember one sheepdog we had. Uh, she went to have the female surgery, shall we say. Whenever she came back, after a while, it's time to take out the stitches. But to take her back to the vet would require money changing hands. And my father wasn't going to do that. When my father opens up his wallet, George Washington blinks. He hadn't seen the light in so long. 
Remember, we went to the Grand Canyon. I told my kids, this all got started when your grandfather dropped a quarter down a gopher hole. <laughs> so my father called Lassen, laid her down, talked to her for a little bit, and said, now this is going to hurt, but I need you to trust me. And slowly took out the stitches, and the dog didn't move. You would hear a very slow moan sometimes, but the dog trusted him, focused her eyes on him, and I learned a lesson about me and God. When I'm afraid, it's because I'm looking somewhere else. When I'm afraid, it's because I'm letting pain overrule who's in charge of my life. I'm getting distracted by noise and strangeness rather than focusing on the one who has chosen to love me even though he didn't have to. I learned from a dog. She became so loyal to us, it actually became a problem. I was away once when an insurance guy came by. We'd ask him to come by. We needed to, uh, for Cammie to sign some papers, and she couldn't. Because every time he would approach her, the dog would get in between and growl. No, you're not getting this one. <laughs> so he had to actually lay the papers on a table, then re retreat. Cammie would come sign them, then retreat. And this went on, I'm told, for a ballet orchestrated by a dog. But the dog knew these are my people. She was all in. She belonged to us. And then finally, Psalm 119 made sense to me. When I was a, a kid, it was a big deal doing Bible trivia, and so we all knew Psalm 119. And I decided to read it. And I just kept going, really? Really? Because he keeps going on. That's Psalm 119 for you. And, and I guess because he had rested in Psalm 117, which is very tiny. So he had a burst of second wind that hit him or something. But he keeps saying this, your law is my delight. I love your law. Your law is my pleasure. Your law. And I kept going, law to me was not a, a nice thing. But now I got it. Staying in the family has all the benefits. Being part of the family, joining the family, doing family things has all these benefits. The dog got to where they rejoiced in it. Still a dog, though, and it had a problem. The hardest thing for a collie, a border collie, to do is stay. It does not want to stay. It wants to be involved. It wants to work. They want to be part of the action. But sometimes you need them to guard this gate because you've got something else to do and you don't want the sheep out. And you, if you look over, a border collie will kind of vibrate, just kind of, i got to move. They work hard trying to stay. So do I. I don't mind doing great big things for God. I really don't. He's going to send me to this country. He's going to have me face down atheist over here. In fact, we're setting up one of those right now in a western state for April. I'm looking forward to it. I like doing the big things. But it's the small things, the stay, the wait upon the Lord. Do you remember we, we sang that song? Strength will rise as we wait on the Lord. Anybody enjoy waiting for the Lord? I don't. I don't like stay. I like doing the big things. I am Naaman. I don't want to dip in the Jordan seven times. I want to go do stuff. Sometimes God says, not yet. In my life, I have jumped too soon. I have gone to and taken a job here, or I've done this. 
thinking, yes, God wants me on the move without really checking with him and found out later that I, this was wrong. I made a big mistake. I bet you have too. We need to learn to move when he moves, stay when he stays. Sometimes people, when they come to Fourth Avenue, they'll say, wow, you're full of love. This is a lot of welcome, but this isn't the kind of church I'm used to. Where are you guys headed? And my response is always, we don't have a master plan that says, right, in five years, we're going to uh, have this added to our worship. Our plan is just to move where God moves, stop when he stops, and when he moves again, we'll move. Just go with him, follow him. No wonder I once told my wife, I said, I, I think I'm God's collie. I'm learning from my dog what I must look like to God sometimes and a heartache I must cause him sometimes and the joy, the joy, excuse me, the joy. I want to talk about the joy. I don't have a dog now. My lifestyle wouldn't be fair to a dog, but I would like to rent a dog 10 minutes twice a day. Those of you that have dogs know exactly what I'm talking about. You come home and the dog sees you. It's like, they're back. We had lost all hope. Our life was in ruins. This is the best day ever. And tomorrow will be too. Every day. They're so excited. I know some of you are cat people, and your cat doesn't do that. But you're convinced your cat loves you. You just think that. But dogs... I've said it before, a dog jumps on your bed because he loves you. A cat jumps on your bed because he loves your bed. So the cat, this, and a dog is just dancing, they're back, they're back, they're back, they're back, they're back. So excited. No wonder I love it when I see children sing. Because they haven't learned yet. Well, you'd best be on key. And don't, don't, don't annoy the others. And you have to have decorum. no. They're out there. They're singing. They're going. Remember up in Michigan where we were for 10 years, most of the people that came to that church hadn't had a church before, and some of them didn't know the rules. We have a song we sing that we change our morning into dancing. We just we don't mean it. We just sing it. But we had visitors didn't know we didn't mean it, and they left in the halls and the aisles and started dancing. One of the elders beside me, you could, you could always tell on where we were on the orthodoxometer by where the red stopped. <laughs> He's getting up into the hairline there, but God bless him. He made friends with them and never, never said, don't dance. He began to think, why do we sing that song if we don't dance? And I said, well, dance inside, because I've seen you, and just on the inside is, is good. Point being, I love it when kids are excited to go to church. I've seen children cry because they were too sick to go to church. Adults don't do that. They'll sneeze once and go, oh, I best not go this month. I'll try to heal up at the Titans game. And the mall and anywhere else I want to go. I want to be the kind of person who is so happy to see God at work that I don't care what other people think. I don't care what they say. You know, Fourth Avenue has a reputation of being so loving that we don't always stay in the lines. Can I talk to you about the lines? If you color in the lines, you're going to end up with the same old picture everybody else had. And besides, who drew those lines? We didn't. Color with wild abandon. 
Enjoy your life. Enjoy your God, like a dog does when you come home. I also learned how to focus from my dog. I have a problem with focus sometimes. She wasn't really good at it, and that dawned on me. I'm not really good at it. At times, we had a job for her to do, but she saw a crow, and that was more important at the moment. I've had to learn from God to stay the course. I learned from the dog what it looks like when I don't. Stay the course. Face forward. But one of my favorite things about the dogs, they quickly go from being a tool for the farmer to being family when they do their job. Look what Jesus had to say. One of the most amazing passages in Scripture. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Cammie and I talked about that passage as we petted the dog. Greater love hath no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, people, this is the God of heaven saying this to you. I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So this is my command. Love one another. They become part of the family. They didn't choose us. We chose them. God chose us. Think about that for a moment. In the village where we lived, which is outside the major city of Glasgow, but it was still a village feel. You could set your watches by the uh, watches. That was stuff, this is what old people wear. We don't look at our phones back then because we didn't have any. Uh, but you could set your watches by watching the border collies go up the street. The families had told them, go get the kids. The kids are coming back home on the school bus. And you'd look and there'd be a line of border collies right there each one waiting to see their kid, and they would walk them home. Very often, the kids would try to stop at the shops to buy sweeties and the like, and the dogs would actually grab a hold of their trousers and pull, or their skirt and pull a little bit. And they weren't going to be mean, but it was like, no, we have some place to be. Now they were in the family. They had gone from strangers to friends, to helpers, to family. We are his sheepdogs. We are his sheep. Would you stand, please? There is no greater compliment, there is no greater event in the universe than to be chosen by God. When Cammie said that she would marry me, that was massive. That was huge. She had chosen me. Because I'd learned earlier in life, you can choose people, they don't have to choose you back. She did. Wow. God chose you. But you've got to choose him back. He wants you in the family. So you have to learn how to stay. You have to learn how to act like the family. You have to work within the family. In the thin places, he shows us his face, his care, his grace, and his love. And he calls us to go from where we are to something bigger, something better. And when we choose him in return... There is love.